Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Good morning again. I don't know if you've ever recognized it or not, but there is a power failure in the Christian life. Um, There's, you you know, God tells us that we have all of this energy, all of this power, and yet for the most part, Christians just kind of chug along, coughing and sputtering along. Nothing about our our lives really could be described as dynamic. Um, the, The average church is full of people who at best, spiritually speaking, live very mediocre or even maybe less than mediocre lives. And the Bible says Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And I used to think, well, that that must refer to somebody else because it certainly doesn't refer to me. I, I don't see great and mighty things happening. And the Bible Bible has promises in it that some of them are pretty hard to believe, aren't they? I, you know, Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. Well, that sounds pretty great, but let me just check my list here um, on the works that Jesus has done that I have done also and greater than what Jesus has done, I have done. I, I, I don't think so. Or in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And that word, that that sounds fantastic. That word power there is the word dunamos, where we get the word dynamite from. Dynamite! You remember that? (laughs) Christians, we should be exploding with power. And, And, you know, I don't even fizzle. Um, I, I'm a dud, I think. I, and, and it doesn't seem to be real in my life. And, and I don't see it real in anybody else's life. And Ephesians 3.20, which is where we're going to be studying today. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, Okay, that's, that sounds fantastic. According to the power that works in us. Huh? Uh, I understand what that means. I understand what it says. I just don't see how it works. And, and I didn't get it until I began to, to understand 
that you can't just pull a verse. There is no such thing as name it and claim it. All right. You can't just pull a verse out of the Bible and say, here it is. This is this is my verse. You have to look at it in the context that it, that it's delivered in. You have to look at what it means around it. And when you begin to understand what it means around it, then you can begin to understand what what a particular verse means. And so in Ephesians chapter three, you have to look at the entire, this is a part of a prayer that Paul is praying. And so we have to look at verses 14 through 21. We have to look at the whole prayer to understand what, how, how verse 20 can apply to us. Let me read it to you, beginning with verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, this section of Ephesians is what I'm going to call the ignition switch for the Christians. In chapters 1, 2, and in chapter 3 up through verse 13, Paul is describing the power that is available to the the of Christ to to Christians. He doesn't ask in in those first that first section of Ephesians. He's not asking Christians to do anything. He's just telling them who you are, what is what God has done for you and in you. And he says that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings we are chosen, we are holy, we are blameless, we are predestined, we are accepted and beloved, we are redeemed and forgiven, we are abounding in wisdom and knowledge, and that we may know the mystery of God's will, that we have obtained an inheritance, and that we are sealed with the Spirit or by the Spirit. So the first part of Ephesians is just telling us who we are, what has been made available to us as followers of Christ. Then from chapter 4, moving forward, he's telling us how we are to live, what we are, are, what is expected of us. Now, between the power and what you do with the power, there has to be a ignition, a, a start. If you have a car, you have a motor, but until you start the motor, it doesn't do anything. It just sits there. And that's what chapter 3, verses 14 through 21 are. That is, that is the ignition. There is a sequence here 
that we're going to look at this morning, a progression, if you will. In other words, if you do this in order for this to happen, in order for this to happen, in order for this result. And so if we pull verse 20 out, it's out of context. You, you're, it's like trying to start a car and one of the battery terminals isn't connected. You're, you're not going to be able to make it happen unless you have the, the proper sequence. And so I'm going to give you the, this progression today. And what I hope it's going to do is open your, your understanding. Because if you're like me, I'm frustrated at reading the Bible and then looking at my life and saying, I, I want the I want the liberty. I want the power. I want the I want the victory that the Bible describes, you know, and, and I hope that you do as well. And so let's let's look at this this process. The very first thing that we have to have is the inner strength that comes through the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, it says, for this reason, I bow my knee to the father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what reason is Paul talking about? He's talking about these resources that I, I mentioned. What? Paul is in essence saying is because of all that God has given you, because of all of the blessings that you have, because of all of the, the freedom and the power and the liberty and all of the, all of the wonderful things God has already provided for you, because of that, I bow my knee in prayer. And what he's, he now beginning with verse 16, Paul is giving a bold request. He says that God that would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his power in the inner man. Power and strength in the inner man or the inner person. I'm praying for inner strength. And the way we get that is the Holy Spirit. That is the beginning point of everything. Nothing happens if you don't have the inner strength that comes from the Holy Spirit. If you want to turn God's power on in your life, that has to be the starting point. Notice the little footnote. He says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Remember that statement because it, it's going to pop up a lot in Paul's writing. To be given according to the riches of his glory. That's, that's important for us to understand. To be given according to the riches of his glory. That means that he's not giving you according to your need. He's giving you according to his resources. Do you suppose God has plenty of resources? I would say he does. Here's an example. Let's say I come to a, a, a rich man and I say, sir, I, I need $500. If he gives me according to his riches, he might pull out $1,000 and give me 1000 because he's giving out according to his riches, not according to my need. So when we come to God and he gives us according to his riches, 
He's going to bless us beyond our, our capacity for understanding. God isn't limited in resources. And so when God gives us according to his riches, we're going to be strengthened in, in power, in, in our inner person, in a mighty way. He's, he's asking that God's attributes would be generously applied to our lives. That, and again, this only comes from the Holy Spirit. You know, it, it, when you and I yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God empowers us in the inner person. The, the inner man, the inner person, it just means who you are on the inside. I don't know if you know this or not, but there are two yous. And I'm not talking about sheep, by the way. There, there's an inner you and an outer you. You know, we look around and we see our outer person. But every person also has an inner, an inner person. And what, what Paul is praying for here is that inner person will be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Now, how did this happen? How do you experience the, the dynamite, if you will, of, of, of power from, from God? Well, it's not simple as just saying, well, God's already in the person, you know, because as Christians, we all have the Holy Spirit in, a, in us. That's not what this is talking about. When we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit is, is going to strengthen us. The Holy Spirit is going to give us power and, and resource that we don't have naturally. And the more you yield to the Holy Spirit, the more power, the more victory, the more um, dynamite you're going to have. All right. That, that's what he's talking about here. Spiritual energy that gives you victory in your own life. It's it's the 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 energy to to conquer sin and Satan and, and the flesh where most people struggle on a day to day basis. If you're really going to live an effective Christian life, you have to have spiritual stamina. You have to have be you have to be victorious over sin. And you can only have that victor victory when you are spiritually strong in your inner person. You know, most people what they do is they try to have victory in their flesh. What, what, you know, they're, they're dealing with temptation. They're dealing, you know, with, with lust and they say, okay, I, I'm not going to lust anymore. I, I'm, I'm just not going to. And, and they fail because they're trying to do it in their flesh. They're trying to use their willpower to overcome something. They're going to fail every time. It's only when you are strong spiritually in your inner person that you're going to have victory over over the struggles that that everybody person has that every person has life is a matter of commitments of of thousands of decisions every day and every decision you make every commitment you make every thought process you make if you will submit that 
to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I want you in control of this decision. I want you in control of this little nuance of my life. I want you in control of every single thought I have. When we do that, what we're doing is we are yielding our lives to, con to the control of the Holy Spirit in our life. And that's when God strengthens us. If you, again, if you try to do it on your own, you're going to fail. We don't have the time, but look up Romans chapter seven, because this is a very good picture of what happens. This is where Paul talks about when I try to do what is right, I don't. And when I try to, when I don't do the things that I want to do, I do. And, and he just, he gets all conf confabulated. You know, he's just like, blah, blah. <clears throat> That's what happens when we try to do things in our flesh. It's a matter of commitment saying, Holy Spirit, I want you in control of every minute detail of my life. Ephesians 518 Paul says that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the way that actually reads literally is keep being filled by the Spirit. It's this ongoing process. It's not a one-time thing. It's a moment by moment by moment decision of yielding ourselves to the control of the Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit of God fill you completely. Let him dominate every part of your life. Second Corinthians four, nine, Paul, and I'm going to read this from what is called the Phillips translation. It's kind of an amplified version. It says we are handicapped on all sides, but we are never frustrated. We are puzzled, but never in despair. We are persecuted, but we never have to stand alone. We may be knocked down, but we've never been knocked out. Every day we experience something out of the death of the Lord Jesus so that we also know the power of the living, uh, the, the, something of the power of the life of Jesus in these bodies of ours. This is the reason that we never collapse. Now here it comes. The outward man does indeed suffer wear and tear, but every day the inner man receives fresh strength. This is part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, pouring power into our lives, which gives us spiritual stamina to, to live life victoriously. Now, getting back to Ephesians 3, what happens is when we start to get this inner strength because we are submitting to the Holy Spirit in our life, then the next step, the next phase in the process says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's the second point, that Christ will dwell in your, your heart. Now, the first step, inner strength through submitting to the Holy Spirit. The second step is that Christ would dwell in your heart. Now, let the, what we need to understand is that word dwell. This means to settle down or to be at home. The idea of being comfortable and relaxed. Some of you right now are getting really comfortable and relaxed. I'm beginning to see the eyelids and, the, you know, there's a little drool here, you know, you're, 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 you're dwelling at this point. 
what it means is that very often, even though Christ is in our life, when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us that Christ comes and, dw and, and lives in our life. But he can't dwell in our lives because we allow sin in our lives. He's never at home. He's never at He's never at rest in our lives because things are always stirred up because sin is, is still being a problem in our life. So in order for us to, to begin to see victory in our lives, beginning to see God move with power in our lives, we submit to the Holy Spirit. We allow the Holy Spirit to dominate our life. And when that happens, then the, 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 the life of Christ begins to dwell. He begins to be at home in our lives. He, he, he's beginning to, to settle down and relax. And we're beginning to have fellowship. We're beginning to have communion. We're beginning to, we're beginning to have this, this peace, this trans tranquility that, that settles into our lives. My question for you here is what might be going on in your life, in your heart that is preventing Christ from dwelling, from settling into to your life. That's something that you and Jesus may need to sort out there. And maybe there's some stuff that you're allowing because you're not submitting to the Holy Spirit. And as a result, Jesus can't be at home in your life. Now, when you begin to yield to the Spirit and, and you're no longer walking in the flesh, then you're going to be strengthened by the spirit in the inner self. You're going to be able to say no to temptation. You're going to begin to experience victory in your life. And what's going to happen is Jesus is going to begin to say, wow, this, this feels at home here. This is comfortable. I like this here. This is, this is the way I want. I want it. Now, when that happens, Point number three or, or process number three happens beginning at verse 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Let's stop right there. The third thing that's going to happen. Okay, the first one, you're strengthened in the inner person when you submit to the Holy Spirit. When you submit to the Holy Spirit, Christ begins to dwell in your life. When Christ begins to dwell in your life, you're going to begin to experience incomprehensible love. That's what's going to happen. When Christ dominates your life, love is going to pour out of your life. Love is the one thing we want to dominate our lives. Love is a byproduct of Christ filling your life. We need to understand that love is not something we produce. It is a byproduct of Christ dwelling in our lives. And, and it, it only happens when the Holy Spirit is dominating our lives. Notice that it says that you being rooted and grounded in love. 
Now, if you're looking at your life and you're saying, I, I really could use more love. I, I'm, I, I wish I loved God more than I do. I wish I loved other people more than I do. Then the question you need to really be asking is, is Christ at rest in your life? Because if Christ is not at rest in your life, you can't love and this is one of the problems. This is why people out in the world look at, at the church and they say, y'all are a bunch of hypocrites because we try to fake love. And everybody knows that you can't fake love, that, you know, it, you can pretend it, but everybody sees right through it. Unless you've been strengthened in your spirit by the Holy Spirit, and because Christ is dwelling in your life, you're not going to produce authentic, godly love. It, it, it can't be done. Now, verse 18, he says that you may be able to comprehend. You know, you can't understand love if you have never experienced love. You know, we, we see, you know, youngsters that are all, oh, you know, goo-goo-eyeing over each other and all of that. And, and we look at them and, and you can kind of smile because if you've ever been in love, you know what they're experiencing. You know the, the butterflies and all of the stuff that goes with that. We can't comprehend God's love even as followers of Christ, we can't fully comprehend God's love until we have experienced God's love. Love cannot be faked. And so when we look to, to God, too many Christians, I, I, I'm sad to say this, too many Christians have never really fully understood or accepted or, or experienced the love of God. They understand it up here, but they don't understand it right here. Uh, you know, I, I think there will be a lot of Christians who won't experience God's love until they step into eternity and they experience it in heaven because they've never availed themselves to God to the point that they really grasp God's love. Paul's talking about the, the width, the length, the depth, the height of God's love. If you can't, if you, if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to dominate your life and you don't allow Christ to be at home in your life, you can't experience God's love. You can't comprehend God's love. Verse 18 says, being rooted and grounded in love that um, it may be able to comprehend with all of the saints. So Paul, Paul's praying that all believers, not just the people in, in Ephesus, but that all believers will, will get this, will understand this, that we know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. The world can never know the love of Christ until they become a part of the family, the body of Christ. When you yield to the spirit, 
and your inner person is strengthened and you have spiritual power and vitality and, and you begin to experience victory, you begin to conquer sin and, and Christ is settling down into your life and his love begins to be produced in your life, then point four or, or the, the, the next part of the process happens. And that's verse 19, that you may be filled with the fullness of, of God. You've come to a place where you're going to be filled with the fullness of God. Try to comprehend that, that statement, that just that little piece, be filled with the fullness of God, the fullness of God. Imagine that the, the, the God of the heavens can come and be filled in your life and that you can experience the fullness of God. Now we're getting to a point where we can begin to understand how verse 20 can actually take place. But just for a second, notice in verse 16 that you can be filled with the Spirit. Verse 17, that you should be filled with Christ. Now verse 19 says that we be filled with God. Do you realize that the Trinity exists within the life of the believer? Father, Son, and Spirit. That's, that's staggering when you, when you stop to think about that. Just realize that when, when you allow God to dominate in your life through submission to him, then you're going to have all of the fullness of almighty God dwelling in your life. That's powerful. That, that's beyond our, our wildest understanding of what can happen. What does the fullness of God mean? It means that all of God's attributes are going to be manifested, show up in your life. I, I challenge you this afternoon to sit down with pencil and paper and just begin to write out the attributes of God. The fact that God is a God of love. He's a God of grace, a God of mercy, a God of justice, a God of righteousness. I mean, just, just start writing down all of the attributes of God. And what this is saying is that all of that will begin to dwell in you. Now, what's going to happen is when you are living your life this way, the world is going to see a person who has mercy, who has wisdom, who has knowledge, who, who is demonstrating the character of God in their midst. That's what this is saying. It's all available in your life. It's and, and it's. It begins by an act of your will to sit down and to saturate yourself with the word of God, to, to flip the switch so that your life will overflow with the Holy Spirit. And so that the, the spirit of God will begin to, to dominate in your life. Now, it all begins by allowing the inner strength from the Holy Spirit to, to take hold. Verse 19, the fullness of the infinite God himself 
will, will begin to be dominating in your life. And this leads to the, the fifth step in the process, which is verse 20. Now to him who is able, that's God, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Wow. When you think about God and you think about God, would you use me to reach a thousand souls for you? That's, that's what we think. And God says, a thousand? How about 10,000? How about a hundred thousand? That's what this is communicating, that whatever you dream, God's dreams for you are bigger. They're greater. They're more magnificent than you can hope or dream for. How does it happen? <laughs> Again, you submit to the Holy Spirit in your life. Christ begins to, to dwell because you're having victory in your life because the Holy Spirit is giving you power and resource. And as a result, Christ is becoming at home in your life and you begin to, to exude love, not human love, but godlike love. And as a result, because you, you are having this, then the richness and fullness of God is being exuding out of you. He, he's beginning to, to live in you and your life is beginning to be a greater and greater reflection of God living in you. Now, that power can't happen if you are not submitting. You know, verse 20 explodes with dynamite. It, it, is, it is God coming alive in your life. And when we allow God to have this full access and we submit to him, there's no limit to how God will use us. Now, the question is, is why? What's the point of all of this? Why does God want to do this in our lives and through our lives? Verse 21 says, to him, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Do you know why God wants to display his power through you? Do you? So that he will be glorified. So that he will be honored. So that people will look at you and say, wow, what a God they serve. What a God that their life is so dynamic. It's so rich. It's full, so full. Their life has so mean, much meaning in it. Wow, what a God. It's not about us. It's about God being glorified through us and in us. It isn't enough to have a good church. If everyone in the church is doing what I'm describing here, we will have a dynamic church. It will be a powerful church. We won't have a problem with ministering in any way, shape, or form. But it's not enough just to come here and be comfortable. That, that's not Christianity. 
Sitting, you know, sitting around isn't Christianity. Going and doing in power is Christianity. God wants to release his power through your life and to give you spiritual victory so that he will be glorified. Don't suppress the very will and purpose of God for your life. Let's pray. Father, for this cause, I bow my knee to you with whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And I pray that you would grant this congregation, all of us, according to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with might by your spirit in the inner person in order that Christ may settle down and be at home in our hearts in order that we might be rooted and grounded in your love and able to comprehend with all of the saints the breadth and length and depth and height and to know that that love of Christ which passes knowledge in order that as a result of that we may be filled with all the fullness of God and therefore able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us so that through all of it, you might be glorified by Christ Jesus in whose name we pray, amen.